Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of our Genuine Men's Chat Zoom Live. Uh, Genuine Men is a movement consistent of a show, a podcast, workshops, and monthly Zoom Lives now that express the often unheard, honest views of men from various backgrounds, cultures, religions, and life experiences. It's also a rare opportunity for men to have a platform to express their views, their thoughts, their perspectives, and obstacles in life with other men on topics that impact them, their families, their community, and society as a whole. It's an unfiltered and unadulterated look at what life is like from a man's perspective. I'm the host and the Genuine Men's Chat coach, Emery Ham, and this is our 19th episode. Uh, and we're so excited to continue producing these on a monthly basis now. Today's topic is core principles of being genuine. So knowing that everything's about genuine men today, it's about the principles of being genuine. And before I introduce our recurring uh, guest speaker, I want to reaffirm the goal of these Zoom Lives. The goal is to create a safe and interactive and engaging space for men to learn how to redefine their purpose and redesign the way they fulfill their purpose in their relationships, in their careers, and in their lives. With that said, I'd like to welcome back our guest speaker and one of our genuine men, Tim Street. Welcome, Tim. Hi, Riam. Hey, love to have you back, as always. Um, you're, you know, a, a, a wise and very introspective person when it comes to topics of, these, of this nature. So before I go into complimenting you anymore, I will read your bio first, just so everybody realizes just why you're so amazing. Um, Tim is a fellow coach. He's a trainer and a consultant. He works with employers to improve staff relationships, working in men's health with the homeless, drug users, young people, and the benefit system in the UK. Behavior at home and in the workplace has been a key theme that runs through all of the projects spanning over 25 years of Tim's work experience. So this topic, Tim, core yeah. principles yeah, of being genuine, tell me, what does it mean to you? Well, it came about really thinking about how difficult it can be to be genuine and, and to know what that means, to know what we want, to know what we want to be when we grow up. You know, that feeling of what am I going to be, what's my place in the world. It can be very, very hard in a world that compresses our life to some degree, in, into um, usable units by big business, by politics, to some degree by the education system, by the ideal of relationships, romantic relationships, and the pressure that there is for them to be so the be all and end all of things. Um, so there's so many, so many facets of life trying to put us into a compartment so that we are easily understood and we don't make waves and we don't upset people. 
that it can be easy, I think, to to forget what's going on as, as who we are and, and how we end up, you know, being shaped naturally by circumstance and experience into a whole human person. And, and, I've, and I've always thought that the lovely thing about working with people and their behaviour is that people are so messy and, and they're so there's so many parts to people there's very few individuals that you meet who are who have a singularity about everything around them you know so even people like i mean you said i'm quite introspective um and i am introspective but i know that i am quiet and i watch and i listen carefully to what's going on but there's, there's points, you know, there's facets of my life where that's not what people see. So, you know, if I'm facilitating groups and I'm showing off at the front, then people don't think of me as being shy. They don't think of me as being quiet and introspective. They think, who's that guy telling bad jokes at the front, you know? Um, so, so all of us have many, many different parts to us. And trying to juggle those and to allow those parts of ourselves can can also make it difficult to know who's really us you know which, which of those things is really me um so it, the, the topic for me comes from a whole load of places with the aim like you've said of you know what are the benefits to an individual of being genuine in their relationships, the different relationships that they have in their life. So, you know, if we take an example of the workplace relationship, why is it important to be genuine in work? Um, work's a huge part of our life. And of course, most people to a large extent work to pay their bills. Well, it's not beat about the bush around that, you know. Um, the people who have enough money not to work are not working, generally speaking. Um, so, you know, one of the reasons for being genuine in a situation where you actually are, are financially coerced to be in it might seem strange. But lots of the research around stress in the workplace centres upon the fact that things that we don't control cause us stress and worry and so you know if we're pretending if we've got our, our masculine macho mask on or whichever mask it is we choose to wear in work the, the capable i can do this you know i can carry that weight you can depend on me if we've got all those masks on then we are quite often worried about letting them slip. Whereas a genuine approach to being, or a genuine approach to being honest about our capabilities will mean that we, we don't need to worry that we've taken on more than we can cope with. We don't need to worry that we'll mess up and somebody will find us out because we've been upfront and said, you know, these are the bits that I'm really sure I can deal with. 
these are the bits where I'll go and get some help with, so I might not perform quite as well in those. And these are the other things where you know, I really want to challenge myself on. And so I know I'm going to mess those up to start with, but I'll get better at it. Um, and we're in control of that. So there's much less pressure to perform. And, and with each facet of our life, you know, we can come up with really good examples of why it's good to be genuine. Um, I think, you know, one of the ones I'm learning at the moment is, is with children. Um, children know when you're not being genuine and they, they will rip you apart for it. They can so, tell a mile away, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for, for another... To make life more pleasant, even, in its, in its basic form, you know, a pleasant relationship is always preferable to a difficult one. Um, so, you know, genuineness with, with our children about what we're sad about, what we're happy about, what we think about, what they're doing. Um, and, and a genuine demonstration of our care for them. You know, why do I want you to do well at this thing? Why do I want you to spell those words right? Or, or you know, understand something properly so that you don't get laughed at? Um, so, you know, there's all sorts of things that are simple and, and simply very human about being ourselves with others. Um, but again, I would come back, you know, we'd, we'd jump in ahead, I suppose, because it's not that easy. Um, there, there's very much a performance to be had or to be made in most relationships, um, which is usually for short-term gain, um, as opposed to, to long-term contentment and, and confidence. And I, and I think a few examples for me have come up this week where, you know, people, people want us to be things that we're really not. Um, so an example I was thinking about this week is that, um, that social media is pretty much a, a hotbed of tribalism. And um, we have our little gang and other people have their little gang. And um, largely nuance and debate has been lost to posturing and big statements that don't need to be defended. Um, and you might be wondering why, how this relates to being genuine, but for me, humanity and, and our own personal sort of version of how we live our life is full of nuance. Like I say, we're, 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 we're so many bits within ourselves. So there's always going to be nuance and there's always going to be uncertainty and, and to some elements, some chaos in a personality. Um, but in the social media world, you're not really allowed to have that. You know, people want you in their tribe. They want you on side and they want you singing the right message. So, you know, for me this week to say, well, I kind of understand why that man is saying that thing about that woman. 
even though I know it's not right, I kind of understand it. And I was jumped on for not condemning the action, you know, the behavior of, of some speech that, that was offensive to some degree. Um, but not being allowed to say, you know, that, that guy's still human. And the stuff he's saying is wrong, but it comes from a place of, of not knowing what's right. So can we work with him rather than just condemn him and, and write him off? Um, seems very sad. And, and, and that, you know, that closes down progress. If I can't genuinely be open um, about acceptance. So do you think that people are quick to pigeonhole or to put people, label people maybe even, uh, so that they can better understand their nuances than to deal with the triggers that are coming up for them, possibly, that have nothing to do with the incident itself? Yes. I also think that nuance is hard to deal with. You know, nuance and and the uncertainties that somebody presents take time, they take listening, they take understanding, they take empathy. And, and we're not encouraged to spend time on those things. Um, I mean, th this year, particularly with having to be physically distanced from people, you know, that's not helping. <laughs> um, because physically being in a room with somebody, seeing their body language, feeling their presence, having that, that human connection, you know, of, of, of physical presence, enforces to some degree um, that you, you do take that time to listen. Not everybody gets that because we know some people are just not empathic. Um, and it, but again, you know, they've never been taught to be. <laughs> so or they don't know the impact that they're having on other people. But, you know, within a, within a generally acceptable, I can be a sociable person measure, let's say, if you're sat next to somebody having a conversation about something real, there is time taken to to understand what that person is saying in, in more of a way than there is in a quick fire debate online where i can say some things that i've heard before and i know that if the questions get too hard i can run away um or if i haven't done my research i can still spout off about things and you know everything everybody moves on and it's all forgotten about by tomorrow. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's always about they, that, that they don't want to deal with the nuance. I think sometimes it's laziness. I think sometimes it's scary to step into a world of uncertainty. And sometimes it's just, beyond people to accept that other people have a different experience than they do. You know, so we, we've, we've had a lot of conversations over the last few years 
And you you said a lovely thing in a, in a work context this year, you know, having a beginner's mindset about understanding other people. And I, and I, I think that I do have that. And I think you have it. And I think therefore, when we approach a conversation, it doesn't matter that our lives are, you know, as probably as different as lives can get. Um, it doesn't matter because we're, we're humans and, and we have an openness to hearing the connections that we have and the similarities that we have, but also to kind of celebrate those differences and, and to learn from the differences. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's that element of being allowed uncertainty as, as yourself, I think is part of genuineness. So, it, so genuineness for me isn't always about knowing I'm Tim and I do this, this and this. Um, and I want to be a, you know, a helicopter pilot. Genuineness for me is quite often thinking, I, I don't know the answer to that thing. I, I don't know what that experience is like. I don't know how to succeed in that situation I've been put in. And, and so, and if I'm allowed that, and people support me in it and they stay with me in that and say, well, okay, you know, I know a bit of that and I'll give you this bit. And the other person says, well, you know, have you thought about trying it this way? Because that worked for me. And they offer that bit. And another person says, just bloody get on with it. This is how you do it. <laughs> All those offerings, um, whether they, you know, are, are generosity or they're impatience, all add in to allowing you to work your way through that thing. Um, and I think that's missing in a lot of relationships, uh, in the workplace, in the home, with our kids or our parents. Uh, there, there isn't that allowance of, we don't really know what we're doing. <laughs> Um, or you, we're feeling our way. Do you think that there's too much of an expectation on men especially to know and to be in the know and to always have the answers? And if so, how does that then impact this sense of genuineness of, I don't know it yet? You know, it's funny. I've always thought about this, that it's a really weird situation because... Earlier this year, the Advertising Standards Board, or whatever they're called, have, have said that adverts should not be showing men in the home as being incapable and stupid, which is what sells a lot of oven cleaner and um, instant meals and cookbooks and guides to this, that and the other is that you get an incompetent man um, in the home messing up. Um, and, and so I've always thought it's funny, you know, and, and I think that probably some men see the, feel that as incongruent to, yes, all men can cope 
and do things and deliver. And I think, you know, women around the world are going, this is what we know about men. You know, they're just as incapable as everybody else. And, uh, and there's two different views of those adverts going on. So I think, I think to some degree there is a facade that remains that says men are capable, they can cope with whatever we throw at them. But I think to some degree it's perpetuated by an unrealistic view of masculinity. It's perpetuated by mothers who don't want to see their sons fail or be seen as weak in a world that wants strong men, or we think it wants strong men. There's, there's just so many layers of it going on um, that I, th I think it's got more and more complex as time moves on. I mean, 25 years ago in, in Europe, we were having these conversations about, you know, what is masculinity? And it was all about this hegemonic view of strength and capableness and men being providers which has all been systematically undermined or, or disproven, let's say, by the facts. You know, most families are provided for by, by women's work um, because if you combine women having to work outside the home and the work they do inside the home, you know, the, the proportion of that delivery of, of uh, provision falls mostly on women. And you know, there's very few jobs in the world of work that women don't now do on an equal basis to men. Um, and in terms of the professions, you know, we know that for hundreds of years, women's work in the really specialised professions has been covered up, has been misrepresented, and, you know, it's only now really in the Western world that, that we're allowing that through. So th this idea of men being strong and capable and having this ideal that you have to aim at, it, it persists, but it's a veneer, it's, it's a, a sham, it's nonsense that people buy into for some reason. And it does cause problems of the masks that people wear and the games that people play about being strong and being in charge and in control of situations that usually have a negative outcome. But, but how it keeps going, I don't know. Well, you know, you know what, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go on. It, it, what comes up for me as a metaphor, the first thing that comes up for me when you were just saying that last bit especially, is like you're in a, you're in a house of mirrors and, and somebody's walking around with a rock or a stick <laughs> and they're always threatening to break the image, the facade of being the right size, the bright body image or having the right job or being with the right person or having the best children or the best status or whatever the adjectives may be and the goal. But the point is that there's always this external threat and sometimes there's an internal threat and sometimes it's both. So then how can men find it 
within themselves to identify these core principles of being genuine and fight against this overarching sense of needing to have a facade to keep up the game. So, you know, people have talked about this a lot, haven't they? So we think about Viktor Frankl and his ideas that, you know, life must have meaning and purpose for you to be content. And um, he was quite a religious man. And some of his ideas are tied up with um, faith and how you express that. But this idea of purpose does seem to, you know, to, to, to ring true across a lot of different philosophies, whether they be religious frameworks for life or not. So maybe we should start with that and think, you know, is being genuine knowing your purpose? You know, is it being, is it knowing that I'm on earth to do a particular thing or to be a particular way? And, and for, you know, personally, I find that quite difficult because if you believe in scientific explanations of things, we are a fairly random bunch of <laughs> cells and other bits of biology that um, really don't have a massive impact individually on what's going on. Um, so, you know, and, and again, we've talked about this before, but, you know, one of the existential crises that there is in modern life is, you know, what's the point in a, in a very mechanical universe that I can't influence <laughs> and my individual existence really doesn't matter that much. Um, so maybe that's a, a bit of a thing that people feel you know, um, am I am I important? Am I do I have impact in the world? And again, alongside purpose, I would say impact is a really crucial measure of this in terms of genuineness. What impact do I want to have? And for me, that's one of the crucial bits because nobody tends to tell you that. You know, till you're, till you're really far into adult life and you're having a negative impact on people and somebody is brave enough to say to you, excuse me, have you seen that impact you're having on those around you? Um, you quite often don't really get that. I'm sure that some people do. I'm sure that some people see and use quite early on what they can do to other people. Um, in an adult sense, I don't mean kids. I mean, kids <laughs> seem to be able to do this in an unknowing way to get what they need, what they want from parents, from relatives and what have you. In a way but aside from you. that sort of, you know, aside from that natural ability to do that, um, as adults, I definitely don't think we're, we're taught enough about how what we do and say impacts on, on others and why that matters. So, so yeah, do, that, then does awoken or being conscious play into the definition of genuineness in addition to purpose and impact? 
I would I would say that you need another thing to make it work, and, and that's a set of values or a worldview, if you don't want to call it values. You know, what should the world be like? What's right? What's wrong? What do I feel should happen in certain circumstances? And that develops over a, a long period of time, but it's influenced heavily by our parents, by our schooling, by what we see in the world and, our, and the opportunities that we're given and the things that we don't see as well. So the, the combination of the three of those things, so what's my purpose if I have one, if I feel I need one, or what's the size of that purpose? What's the impact that I want to have on other people? Is it positive? Is it, I don't really care? And what are my values? Because my values will drive the other two. So what I believe to be a fair outcome in a situation will Will, will to a large extent shape the impact that I want to have and it will also um, to some degree illustrate the purpose that I might have and start building that up because if you think about individual interactions with other people either in work or at home or whatever they're, they're building blocks aren't they of experience and and they give us something to reflect on and they allow us to give ourselves feedback on the behaviours that we show and measure what's the impact I have. Have I, have I displayed some purpose or motivation or direction in what I did? And um, did, I, did I act out what I feel to be fair or right? And it's all tied together very much. So... So the other crucial bit, I suppose in terms of being genuine is, is self-awareness. Do we know those things about ourselves? Do we know what has shaped our values? Do we know whether the purpose that we have in mind for ourselves is realistic? Do we know, do we look at the impact that we have on other people? So there's, there's so much tied up in it, but they are all really basic building blocks. Um, but, I, but I think if you kept it to those four things, you know, that's enough to be going on with. Um, but again, you know, life, life wants us to work in different ways for different people. So at the moment we've got, um, economic situations going on whereby you know a, a, a capitalist society wants you to make profit for somebody a political situation in the country we've got at the moment is trying to balance somehow isn't it the safety of individual people in health terms against economic growth in in the wider community terms and you know that's a horrible well, for some politicians, it will be a horrible equation trying to balance. For others, it seems to not be too much of a problem. Um, but yeah, um, I've lost my train of thought there. Where was I going with that? Oh, yeah, the way that other people want to shape us. You know, and, and are, are we pawns in a game that is out with our control? And that's where Viktor Frankl comes back into this, I think, because he... 
if you haven't read Viktor Frankl's book, by the way, anybody watching this, um, I think it's called A Man's Search for Meaning, isn't it? Or something like that. But Viktor Frankl was in a concentration camp and, and to all observers, we would say he'd had everything taken off him. He had no power, he had no means to, you know, do things they wanted to do really. But he said that within that, you know, the thing that people could not take off him, whatever else they took off him, they couldn't take away the meaning that he felt his life had or the purpose that he felt he had. And he demonstrated that purpose in tiny instances of behavior with other people in the camps and, and used each interaction with other people to be who he wanted to be, regardless of how small it was. And, and you know, we're not in concentration camps. People around the world are in awful situations. But, you know, in the UK, where we are, we've got, you know, okay, let's take that back a bit. In my life, <laughs> I can't speak for other people. In my life, I, I have a job. I earn enough money to buy food and pay for my house. I have enough money to go on holiday once a year. And, you know, life is, is good, really. Nobody tries to take much off me. And comparing that with, you know, the, the minute freedoms that Frankel had, there should be a massive opportunity for me to live my life with a purpose but it's still quite difficult. Um, and I suppose that's an indication, isn't it, of, of what this is all about, being quite philosophical about it. It's so unique to each individual and their own circumstances that being genuinely who you want to be doesn't depend on any of those circumstances. It depends on what your values are, what the impact is that you want to have and what you think your life is for. And if we can remember those things, then it doesn't matter who's telling us to do what on social media. It doesn't matter that we feel, you know, sometimes that we are an economic pawn in somebody else's game and paying for somebody's games of golf and speedboats and what have you. Um, none of that matters because we can do the right thing in those tiny instances of being with other people and, and find contentment in them. Because I suppose that's the, the point, isn't it? You know, that, that life will be better if we're genuinely ourselves is displayed by contentment. Um, which again, quite an abstract concept for, for some people to grasp. If they've not felt it, how do you explain what contentment is to somebody who, <laughs> who's never felt it? Um, but it'll be different for different people. Exactly. Uh, and despite anybody's experience, I truly have to believe in my heart of hearts that everybody on some level has felt contentment they might not recognize it as contentment. It might have been labeled as something else. Yeah. But everybody has felt to some degree 
being seen, being heard, even once in their life, being loved. It might not have come from a parent, but it still was that sense of feeling like they're loved. And that breeds contentment. Yeah. Contempt. No, contentment. That's the word that I'm looking for. <laughs> not contempt. No, no. That's what I was trying to say. Yes. Very different. Um, so, yeah, and I suppose when we're talking with other people about this, then we, we need to try and encourage reflection on what those times felt like. You know, and what was good about being heard? What did it what did it make us feel inside? What did it teach us about ourselves? What did it model in that behavior? You know, of the other, what what was the model of the other person's behavior that we can emulate and, and spread that contentment? Because surely, you know, that's one of the impacts that we want to have. If something felt so good to us, then Generally, it's human nature, I believe, to, you know, to, to want to make other people's lives better. Um, it, it's just like when anybody gives from their heart, not gives with secondary gain or a reward or an expectation. There's this sense of elation. Hormones flow through our body that are released when we serve other people, when we serve a higher purpose, when we serve those that are in need far beyond our own need, yeah. uh, not to discredit our needs, but I'm saying there, there may be people that are needing something more than we do. And when we give to them openly, honestly, that creates a sense of connection to self, impact, clarity of purpose, alignment, um, and, and contentment. Contentment. Yeah. I'm working, I'm struggling on this one today. Contentment and appreciation for what we do have in life. Just like you were saying, you know, you can only reflect on your own life in, in reference to, you know, what's working for you right now. Everybody struggles. Now the yeah. question is, how can we see it from a lens that allows us to, like you were saying, also be gracious and have gratitude and appreciation for what it is that we have, as little as it may be. Yeah, and I, and I think that's one of the other problems of, of modern Western life, which is filled with excess. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a bit stupid saying Western life because you know there are exam massive examples of excess in different cultures all over the world where there's huge inequalities. But in Western life, it seems to me that we have a, you know, a bar of comfortableness that's quite high. So there's a, a focus on material success that's pushed as the norm and the expectation, um, which confuses people and is a distraction from genuine human achievement of contentment because you know if you if you need if you need to compete with people that have wealth and and make a show of it um, and largely that's what you know the critique of of facebook and instagram and and other social media platforms 
has been that it's a, you know, it's a peacock fest of, you know, look how great I'm doing. Then, then it's another one of these holes and mirrors, isn't it? You know, it, it can come crashing down quite easily because life is actually not about that. And, and again, it's easy. All these things are quite easy to say in sweeping, generalizing terms. But, um, you know, one of the things that I've always said to people who've, who've said that they're struggling and they don't know how to get out of a rut or that, you know, they're stuck in discontent or they're not who they want to be, is to go and, is to go and volunteer, you know, to go and help other people and to force the issue to some degree to, to serve other people and see what that does for them to, you know, to see what it opens up in terms of feelings and connections with other people in terms of what the, what the payback is. Um, because, you know, it's okay if you already know that you want to do that stuff, but if you, if you're not sure what kind of person you want to be, or you're not happy with yourself, confident about who you are and it's really hard to know what to do to get out of that you know and to become so yeah I've, I've often given that you know offered that as a as a potential option for people that it will open up new doors and it will distract in a really positive way from being stuck and and I suppose being stuck is quite a counsellory therapy type term, but I think we've, we have a good collective understanding of what we mean by it in that where, where we are unhappy with our performance as a human or our behaviour or our inability to move forward, then it's stuckness and we don't see a way out of it. And for those that, that really believe in energy, it's about... Uh, uh, stuck energy you know emotions that haven't been processed that mm -hmm. need to flow out of us just like people work out and then have to you know walk off or cool down their muscles to get rid of the lactic acid buildup it's the same thing with our emotions we get stuckness or overwhelm when those emotions are suppressed or diminished or uh, avoided and that energy starts to bubble over and come out in different ways to prevent us from being the genuine self that we, we aim to be, to keep us away from the purpose that we're wanting to, to, to live, you know, uh, along uh, the lines of, or to not really recognize the impact of our decisions and behaviors because the bubbling up of these emotions that we're suppressing come up when we least expect them. Yeah. And, you know, and in some ways I'm quite a blokey bloke in that, you know, I, I genuinely believe that some people, lots of people probably, can perform through their life and behave and be practical and do things and not necessarily always get too badly knocked off course by the feelings and emotions behind that and maybe that's again my upbringing my 
um, ancestry. You know, I'm from a long line of uh, introverts and people with <laughs> fairly antisocial behaviours as their, you know, their traits. Um, so maybe there's a bit of that in me wanting to not deal with some of these feelings and, and what have you. Um, but I, I, I think you don't need, you know, if you don't want to go there, then just get on with doing some, having some good impact through your behaviour and you, you will start finding contentment. And I think for lots of men, that's a good route into this. You know, finding out what good you can do in the world without being some sort of do-gooder <laughs> um, comes naturally to lots of guys. You know, do, you know, they will carry people shopping for them, as a small example. They will cut the neighbor's hedge if they can't do it themselves. Um, you know, I, I've got a really good friend. It's quite funny, actually. I've got a, a guy friend who's very practical and he is always doing stuff like he, um, I turned up home one day and there was a load of logs on the driveway, like bits of tree, basically, because he knows we've got a wood burning fire. And he didn't, you know, he didn't say, I am going to bring you some wood. It was just here when I got here. Um, and, um, you know, I think, I think lots of men are quietly generous and kind and they don't want to go into the feelings behind that. It's just, it's natural that they help people. Um, and maybe sometimes, you know, if that's the right way for somebody to, to not be examining their emotional depths, maybe that's okay. You know, they have a good impact. Maybe they don't get 100% out of their human existence if they shy away from some of the feelings. Um, but if they're content and they're helpful and they're not stepping on anybody's toes, does it matter? <laughs> um, so, I mean, all, all these conversations and questions that come up around this I don't think we always are able to get to the answers but um, but I would go back to those those four crucial bits about um, you know what's our purpose what's the impact we want to have how is that driven by our beliefs and our, our value system of what we want the world to be like um, and, have, and do we have the self-awareness to actually know that stuff? Because I think until we do, then it's, then it's a struggle to be really genuine. Um, and if you can't be genuine, can you be contented? Possibly not. Um, but the other, I mean, the other benefits um are fairly obvious and fairly instantaneous aren't they you know if we are having a positive impact on those around us the feedback loop is is a positive spiral upwards generally um you know bar, barring some external circumstances 
um, usually it's a positive spiral rather than that, that downward spiral of, of aggression and negativity that feed off each other as well. So and the results are fast. <laughs> yeah, no, the results are fast. And another thing that I've noticed as well, um, when in service of others, if that's not in alignment with that person and that's okay, then the other way is to, and I've just lost the thought, uh, bear with me just a second. Um, so is there an alternative to being in service of others? Yeah, it's an alternative um, that came up for me and, and now it's completely gone, but please continue and I'll bring it up. But is it about self-development? It, it is. Um, it's about self-development, develop, but from a different perspective. Um, it, it leads to what you were talking about, how without these four principles, these four values, these four core principles of being genuine, um, we can't feel content. So what's another way that we can feel content um, if it's not in service of others, then it, there was one other way and it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's about understanding, you know, I mean, clarity as well is, is another thing, isn't it? That's, you know, goes hand in hand with the self-awareness that honesty and clarity and really examining our motives, really looking for, you know, proper depth within ourselves um, rather than a surface quick scan, <laughs> um, which is not really going to get us anywhere. Um, so, so yeah, the, the self-awareness part of this um, for me is, is interesting because you can get through life, I think, without, you know, knowing all this stuff. Some people have to, some people can do. And you've got extreme examples of that, you know, in, in very impoverished parts of the world or where we've got refugees terrible situation in Yemen you know where where people have a life in a camp in a concrete building with scraps of food that are given to them and they they don't have a lot of time for philosophy and existential you know musings about what they can do in self-development because they're dealing with very basic human needs and making sure they get those covered for themselves and, and their families. And then you've got people at the absolute other end of the scale. And I'm thinking, you know, we've, we've got an anthropological case study in Mr. Trump going on, who is off the charts and just like not dealing with his impact on other people. Um, through not having to bother, um, you know, why should he care? He's uh, he's sitting on top of the world. He's got everything he needs. He'll have people phoning over him, as well as all the people saying that they can't understand what he's doing. 
But, you know, he's getting through his life without really having to worry about the consequences of his actions. So, you know, it's possible. It's possible. Will he have a... Will he have a road to Damascus moment on his deathbed? Who knows? Will he regret some of the things he's done? Who knows? So you can get through without this stuff, but is that good enough? Exactly. Is that good enough? Because we owe it to ourselves to be conscientious, to really know what role model we're playing for other people around us, be it young or older. And if we're not conscientious, then we're, we're acting without responsibility and accountability. And that is the question also of genuineness. Not the same point that I want to bring up. That's completely lost. But this one does link to maturity. And maturity of thought, maturity of emotions, maturity of, of, of you know, impact as you were saying, you know, it's great to have passion. It's great to know what it is that I'm passionate about in purpose. It's great to have my values and beliefs. But if I'm not aware enough to know what my impact is when I'm pursuing these passions, that I'm going to take advantage potentially of others around me, then, then it's going to be a unilateral benefit, not a social gain benefit, not a mutual gain benefit with those around me. And that can eat away at the contentment. Yeah. And, and for me, the sort of, is it good enough question brings in another element, which is, you know, are we getting the most out of relationships with other people around us that that we don't yet know, you know. So there's a brilliant example of, of this question of genuineness in, in music at the moment. There's a band who who called Salt, and they um, they sing a lot about race and the and the problems that we have at the moment of racism, and. Um, they've got a current song out at the moment and it, and it asks the question, well, it says, um, you know, I hear you saying that Black Lives Matter is my motto, but you know it ain't. Um, and, it, and it's that, is, is saying something rather than genuinely acting in a way that is congruent with that, you know. For me, that question of, if it, is it good enough? If, if what we say doesn't match what we do, then it isn't good enough. Um, and, you know, that's one example. Um, th- there's hundreds that we could cite. But, yeah, um, the genuineness bit for me, from a selfish point of view, it's harder to act apart than it is to be yourself not having to worry about it you know and, and, I, and I say that from personal experience I spent a lot of time growing up in a religious community that I didn't fit in with well no I didn't believe in God and I was part of a very hyper religious community till I was 25 
and so that took a lot of acting. <laughs> um, and it's hard work, it's a hard weight to carry to be acting as something that you're not, to be wearing your mask all the time without letting it slip is, is very difficult. And it's freeing if who you want to be lines up genuinely with, with what you're able to express. Um, so even from that, you know, really selfish point of view, give yourself an easier time by <laughs> just being yourself. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think in all of this, you know, that's a, a, a long winding conversation, isn't it? Where we've come up with lots of questions and, and not a lot of answers. So some simple starting points, I suppose, of, um, of genuineness for me are, are what, where we got to with saying, right, let's think about the experiences where we felt heard, where we felt that we were truly enjoying either a connection with another person or with nature or with whatever when we felt valued as a person and part of something bigger, what did that feel like? What were the circumstances? What were other people doing that made that so? And start to build up an understanding of, of what it is that, that makes us content and, and what our version of content is. Because then if we can work towards that and it doesn't impinge on other people, um, and, and their, you know, rights and what have you around us, then that's a starting point to aim for, I think. Uh, and it can sound very complex and very like, oh, know thyself and all this. But it's not really. It's about knowing what, what's good for you. Um, and I'm trying to aim at that, isn't it, in different facets of life. And go and volunteer. <laughs> absolutely. If you if people are not your thing, go to animal shelters. You know. Yeah, absolutely. It, or somebody's dog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you, Tim, as always, for being such a delightful, introspective guest. Um, really looking deep at what it is to be genuine and what are the four core principles that really envelop this sense of genuineness in order for us to feel contentment. And I finally got the word right. Um, <laughs> join us on our next episode of the Genuine Men's Chat Show podcast and monthly Zoom lives. Share, like, and follow the Genuine Men's Chat uh, channel on YouTube and our posts on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Join the Genuine Men's Chat Facebook group to join other men like Tim in the discussion. And remember, our motto in 2020 is many men, many conversations. Have you taken your seat at the table yet? See you next time. <laughs>